1: Live from the 6th and Peabody studio and across the Outkick Network, this is Outkick 360 with Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. Second hour of Outkick
2: 360 across the Outkick Network from 6th and Peabody with E-Hop Beer and Old Smoky Moonshine. We're glad you're with us on the Tuesday edition. Deshaun Watson and the NFL disciplinary decision maker, Sue Robinson is her name. There's a hearing going on today for Deshaun Watson. We're going to get into that. We will get into Terry McLaurin's new contract and much more. Daniel Snyder refusing the delivery of the subpoena. There's a lot of topics to get into over the course of the next 35 minutes or so with John McClain. Uh, who joins us each and every week at this time on the show, John? Hope you're doing well.
3: I am, guys. Thank you. I hope you are too.
2: Absolutely. Let, let's start with our in studio guest. Yesterday, David Culley stopped by and and discussed the the past year or so in Houston. What he's up to now uh, says if he coaches again, and based on his reaction, he wants to coach again. He it will be in the NFL. Uh, you got to know him very well uh, as the whenever he was the head coach of the Texans for that season. What do you think of the guy, and, and what did you think of how things ended earlier this year in Houston?
3: David Gully's is one of the classiest men I've ever met, whether it's in football or without outside of football. David was thrust into a no-win situation last year with a terrible roster, just a terrible team, And not only did he win four games, you know, the Titans had to go three, had to go to the three-point victory to secure home field advantage. He lost to the Patriots by three, lost a one-score game in Miami, and he did it with a rookie quarterback playing most of the season in Davis Mills. And I thought that Cully deserved another Season to prove himself, and I know he was really disappointed at being fired because he admitted he learned a lot being a head coach for the first time, and he was excited about what he learned and applying that to the next season. Then they pulled the rug out from under him, were planning to hire Josh McCown until they came to their senses and elevated Lovey Smith. I know David loves Sparta and he loves. Tennessee, I did a huge Father's Day story on him last year about he and his late dad. And uh, and I know he and everybody in Sparta are big fans of this show because David's told me that numerous times. And uh, I just thank the world of the man, and I'm glad he was up there. I know he loves it up there. He had offers immediately to return to coaching as an assistant coach. I think his wife wants him to retire Uh, I wouldn't surprise me at all if David doesn't come back next season.
4: I know there's a degree of rehash here, John. He said um, they asked him to make changes to his coaching staff. He said no. Two days later, he was fired. Then ultimately, they stick with his defensive coordinator, who's hired as the head coach, and his offensive coordinator, who remains in place in Pep Hamilton. So who are the coaches that they were so eager to – see depart and how important were they They, it was this over position coaches or was that just bs that it was over coaches
3: well it was bs they asked him about getting rid of coaches they knew he didn't want to get rid of it's pretty obvious to me they had targeted josh mccown since the year before when jack easter be the executive football executive VP of football operations. When he was interim coach in 2000, I mean, interim general manager in 2020 after Bill O'Brien got fired, he signed Josh McCown off Philadelphia's practice squad to be on the Texans practice squad. And turned out they had a relationship through ministry going way back and I had two players and a coach tell me, you watch Easterby's gonna find a way to get McCown hired. And I thought that was preposterous and told him so. And he actually got an interview and he hadn't been anywhere over high school coaching, even though everybody thinks McCown's going to make a really good coach, but he needs to start at the bottom. And then as soon as Cully was fired, all of a sudden he became the front runner. And if Brian Flores hadn't fired file that lawsuit that caused the Texans to take a step back and reevaluate the situation because they were getting blasted locally, nationally, for gonna hire a head coach with no experience above high school. And they came to their senses and hired Lovey Smith and uh And it has calmed the waters considerably since. But there was a tumultuous time, lots of turmoil. And I felt bad for Cully because he is a really good guy. He had a lot of respect among most of the players. And uh, I hope he lands on his feet. But I think it was inevitable. He walked away with a lot of money. But looking back, and they won't admit they were about to hire McCown, but they were. And uh, I think it was planned all along.
2: John, the anticipation is that Watson will be suspended indefinitely. Um, That would mean, I guess, for the full season, although there are instances where a player has received an indefinite suspension and did not mean a full NFL season. Um, What do you make of what's to come here as we know the hearing is taking place today?
3: There seems to be a lot of confusion on exactly what the process is. Lisa Frill, who heads up the investigation, she and her staff are the ones that investigated it taken a long time to reach this point. And it's turned over to Sue Robinson, a retired judge that NFL and NFL PA agreed on. And if she says no suspension, then there's no suspension. She's not going to do that. She's going to hand down a suspension and then the appeal would go to Roger Goodell or someone he appoints. And even if he appoints someone, they know what Goodell wants. And the reason it's indefinite is because they're worried about more lawsuits. What if they give him a suspension or six, 10 or a season? Then all of a sudden, there are a bunch more lawsuits and more investigation. Possible criminal complaints police have to investigate. So I think that's why they want to leave it open-ended. And I never bought the rationale of the NFLPA led by Jeffrey Jeffrey Kessler, an attorney who's been a thorn in their side for a long time, that the lack of – but for owners like Robert Kraft, Dan Snyder, uh, and others, they say Jerry Jones – That doesn't have anything to do with Deshaun Watson. Watson has an unprecedented situation in not just the NFL, but the history of professional sports with so many women accusing him of sexual misconduct, assault, and harassment. And that's why the penalty, I don't think it'll be like Trevor Bauer baseball with two, but I could see it being one and I could see it being open-ended until they're sure that uh, there's not going to be more lawsuits filed against him and possible criminal investigations.
0: John, are you surprised that Baker Mayfield didn't just come out and say, no, I'm not playing for the Cleveland Browns when asked about it, instead saying, well, they'd have to reach out on their end. But no, we're moving on.
3: Yeah, it was kind of wishy-washy, Chad, like they It's like uh, he left the door open even though he doesn't want to do it. He knows they don't want to do it. The Texans sure hope he doesn't do it because they want Jacoby Brissett as the quarterback of the Browns because they think they are got to better chance of getting higher draft choice than if Watson were there or Mayfield. Mayfield had two good years. Two years ago, he was healthy. They raised the divisional round of the playoffs. beat Pittsburgh, their arch rival, and things were hunky-dory going into last season. And he got hurt in the second game against the Texans. And so I, I don't see it happening. They've tried to trade him. You talk about some bad blood. They got bad blood. And if he played and he got hurt again and had to undergo another shoulder operation, then he'd be a free agent, like uh, in a situation like Garoppolo, where they, uh, where he had an injury that prevented him from signing with another team. So I think that ship has sailed, and I think that's why they're going with Jacoby Brissett.
0: John, is this a cautionary tale for every quarterback in the league or is it simply a Browns-specific cautionary tale? And what I mean by that is Baker Mayfield pushed through an injury when he probably shouldn't have and tried to gut it out and did not look good in doing so. And all that got him was pushed aside and rumors spread about him from people inside the building about how he wasn't a great teammate and people didn't like him inside the building Is this a lesson to a quarterback from here on out that if you've got the least bit of an injury, go ahead and sit out, or your team is going to bury you after the fact, or is this just another example of the Browns' dysfunction?
3: I think you have to take it into consideration. That's a great point. And uh, not every team is like that. Not every team is going to do what the Browns have done. And, and, And a couple of players came out and defended him, but not a lot. And I think he's not a popular player there, and he never has been because of his ego and his attitude. I know he's certainly no favorite of the people who've covered that team for a long time. But the fact is he's tough, and and he played through that uh, bum left shoulder last year, and he didn't play well, and he had to hand the ball off through a lot of bad passes. And that's why I'm surprised more teams have not been interested in him. I've talked numerous times to you guys, And on my other shows about I don't understand why Seattle would rather have Geno Smith as a starter with all those weapons they have and running back wide receiver tight end and new offensive linemen and why they're going with Geno Smith over making a trade for Mayfield. And Mayfield has got a lot to prove, and he wants to prove it. And he's healthy, and he's playing for a big contract. If I were him, I'd do whatever I could do to get out of there, go somewhere else, Play one year and hope you played well enough to get a big contract.
2: John, what has been the reaction in Houston to the Texans being officially named in the in the suit from Busby, saying that the team enabled Watson?
3: Well, that's been out there for weeks, and Busby has accused him before. During the depositions, Watson says, as far as he knew, they didn't know anything about it. Busby in the lawsuit says uh they should have known. And if they didn't know, they should have. They knew, but if they didn't, they should have. In other words, maybe they didn't know. So he's left it open-ended, and he's doing what's best for his clients. He's trying to help them get money in a settlement from the Texans to make it go away, and that's what he should do. But down here, even though it's a constant uh, source of uh, conversation on talk shows and in the Houston Chronicle, most of the people don't think much about it because there's a lot – This the Houstonian Resort – where I'm not a member, but I go a lot, uh, is our nicest and fanciest. And a lot of the top athletes, general managers, owners are members there. So it made sense for Deshaun Watson to have a membership there. It's in a great location. It's convenient to everybody. And I'll guarantee you the Texans didn't know what he was doing uh, on Instagram one-on-one with all these masseuses. And they said they kept the NFL updated on everything going back to the first time this came out, but I don't blame Busby. What does it hurt to try?
4: How much is Watson still um, a featured element of sports talk conversation there and, and written about is it, is it still a charged heightened subject there or with the hand washing as it, as it lessened
3: all day, every day Uh, on my, See, I do 10 weekly shows in six cities, four on the Texans flagship, and that's all we talk about most of the time is Watson because it's such a big story in the NFL. It's unprecedented. And I'm thinking, what's it going to be like when he finally gets suspended and he appeals it and then he disappears? And then all of a sudden, wow, there's nothing to talk about Deshaun Watson until the time comes when he could be reinstated but it is as soon as i walked into my show this morning that's the first thing they asked me about houston chronicle had a news story and a column today so it's the gift that keeps on giving to talk shows and social media and websites that need clicks
2: sports radio 610 is where you can find john uh, in houston you can find him on twitter at mclean underscore on underscore nfl and he joins us across the outkick network each and every tuesday coming up with john We will get into Daniel Snyder refusing the delivery of the subpoena from the House Oversight Committee. Jimmy Garoppolo and the 49ers are hoping to find some resolution with his landing spot now that he's right up against the time frame for when he's going to be able to throw the football. It's going to happen very soon. The Niners are trying to figure something out with Debo Samuel, although it may not meet Samuel's requirements. But Washington did meet Terry McLaurin's requirements. We'll get into John's take on the deal that was given to McLaurin and what it means for Debo Samuel moving forward. All
1: of that and more straight ahead on OutKick360. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. I've often
2: wondered how you describe someone being rich versus someone being wealthy. And I think the new definition is Daniel Snyder being able to pay everyone that works for him to just follow him to France so that you can't have the United States... House of Representatives and a subcommittee deliver a subpoena for your testimony. Outkick 360 rolls on. Because you
4: would accidentally like is this a thing like in a movie where like you know somebody drops it just says uh, are you Daniel Snyder? Yes and they hand you the thing and so he's kind of walled off in a way where nobody can get close enough to him to hand him a document.
2: So the the most recent report John was they they have reached out to one of his attorneys. I don't know which one. Maybe he has a main attorney. And they tried to issue uh, and deliver the subpoena through his attorney. And the attorney replied and let them know that she would also be out of town. Not out of town, out of country. Um, and uh, by all accounts, he's somewhere docked off the coast of France
0: right now.
4: Yeah, it's somewhat outdated that you need to be handed a piece of paper.
0: Got to make it official. I, I, I didn't know you could decline a subpoena. That's the subpoena. You have to be served. But, like, I didn't know that the option was to, quote, that's that's the headline, Daniel Snyder declined subpoena.
3: First of all, Paul, you're right. It is outdated. And why they still have to do it that way, it's kind of unbelievable. But if somebody walks up to hand it to you, you know, you can reach back like that. I, 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 I like it's on fire. And uh, originally, uh, the commander said, well, they gave him one date and the attorney didn't have time to uh, come back into the country. And, of course, it's ridiculous, and it would serve the commanders better if Snyder stayed in Europe on his yacht for the rest of the year and see how they could do without him. But at some point, he's got to come back. But it just shows when you're a multi-billionaire, you can get away with almost anything.
2: And he's doing it. Um, You know, this time last week, I was assuming this guy would be at least on some type of, uh, of internet feed. Like they were offering to go over there and set that up for him, for him to be available the same way Goodell was available and he he's not having it. Uh, so what, what comes of this, John, how long do they wait? Uh, if this committee is going to get together and actually try to solve something?
3: Well, first of all, he's smart not to get in front of this committee Because they could ask him a lot of uncomfortable questions that he doesn't want to answer. And he could plead the fifth. It would be a dog and pony show. I mean, those politicians, when they get up there, they made fools out of themselves. Last week, the politicians were more entertaining than Goodell going back and forth. I thought it was pathetic for them to do the way they did it, and that's the way it would be with Snyder as well. The key with Dan Snyder, it doesn't matter how many millions he gets fined, he's already been fined, 10, it doesn't matter if he has to turn it over to his wife, which we know he didn't. The only way you really hurt a team, there's one way. You take away their draft choices, and you take away, you could do this, maybe you take away salary cap. Room, you hit them where it hurts competitively. Now that wouldn't that would be punishing him, but the players, the coaches, the fans, everybody, and the NFL doesn't need all this congressional BS to determine whether or not they think he's worth being an owner because he's not, and they should have voted to get him out. They haven't. It hadn't come to that but it might. And if it does, it's a three quarters majority. And remember this, he's been in there long enough to know a lot about a lot of owners. They would not want leaked to the media.
2: John, as we've discussed this likely with you as well, um, the owners will vote him out if he cooked the books in some way. That's where they're going to get him. It's not going to be with this uh, workplace environment, it's going to come down to whether or not he was skimming money off the top that would would have been evenly shared across the all 32 owners, not just Daniel Snyder, and that that is being looked at, right?
3: Yeah, because the accusations of the guy got fired, and of course Snyder and the team deny it's true. And but if you start getting your hand in their wallet. You want to get them, there's only one other place you could put your hand that would hurt them more, and that's with the footballs.
4: But if you get your
3: hand in that wallet, they're going to investigate you more than they would have because they don't like the idea that some owner is holding out on them, even though they got more money than Fort Knox.
2: John, uh, Terry McLaurin gets the extension that he wanted, a three-year tacked on to his current contract. And $53 million is guaranteed of the reported 70-plus that he has extended and signed on for with Washington. He didn't show up to mandatory minicamp. Uh, at the same time, he did, not, he did not play his cards the same way. we got some...
0: An emergency alert. Yeah. Blue
2: alert. see what's going on here. All right, let me turn my phone off first. First time this has happened.
0: How do you make it stop?
2: There we go. Uh, I don't know. We what apologize <laughs> to uh, all the. Does so anyone uh, know what a blue alert there?
0: is, by the way? All right. um, Someone look at that, please. Sounds police related. <laughs> to make sure that we're okay. Continue. It does work.
2: Uh, hopefully, that's uh, just a test and it's uh, not anything urgent. We'll keep everyone updated there. Um, John, going back to Terry McLaurin, he doesn't play his cards the same way A.J. Brown did or Debo Samuel, which was very vocal. We didn't hear much from Terry McLaurin. We knew he wanted the extension but he played his cards close to the vest, sits out, mandatory minicamp, and ultimately he gets the extension. What do you think about what Washington gave him?
3: First of all, he's a great young receiver. And second of all, you can't convince me that Snyder's problems and the problems that the commanders are having in the court of public opinion – didn't have something to do with them getting that deal done. So they can have something positive come out of their headquarters. Because right now there's nothing coming out of their headquarters except negativity toward the owner. And I think that Ben and McLaren benefited from that. And he certainly deserved the money.
2: Yes. And it doesn't, it's not ridiculous. Like when you start stacking where all the receivers are on the guaranteed money, Paul. You've got Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams and Stephon he's, he's Diggs. Slots and properly. He's right behind A.J. Brown in the guaranteed money, the but average. he's going to be available based on contract length here. I don't want to, you know, old, to- old takes exposed to come back and say that I said that uh, A.J. would not be a free agent before uh, Terry McLaurin. We don't know. It's a a, a four year or five year contract could be a two year deal. But based on the guaranteed money, he slotted right behind A.J. Brown.
4: Average salary, he slotted right behind A.J. Brown. And guaranteed money. Guaranteed, too. Uh,
2: A.J. got 57, and McLaren, according to reports, is getting 53. So, John, if you're starting to stack these, where does Debo Samuel fit in with those two guys, A.J. and and Terry McLaurin?
3: Well, the problem for Debo Samuel is he's also a running back, and they say he doesn't like Being a running back, he had 300 yards rushing, I think, eight touchdowns. Really, that makes him more valuable. And you would think that he would have a better case. Now, we haven't seen anything on Samuel about what his side is asking for, nothing. Mm -hmm. And he's not said anything publicly, I don't think. But it's been out there very public but he did. Did he come to the mini camp? I can't. He remember. did. Yes. Okay. I think that was a goodwill gesture on his part. Problem is you got Jimmy Garoppolo taking up such a big uh, portion of that salary cap. And if they could trade him, then that would open up a lot of money. I think Samuel will get his money. You know, the one I'm wondering about DK Metcalf, if I'm him, I, I don't blame him trying to get it now because he's got Geno Smith. And if he waits another year after playing with <laughs> Juno Smith and Drew Locke, all his stats may go down and say, hey, you didn't have the same stats. And he's like, no, duh, you traded Russell Wilson. So I don't blame, blame Metcalf, but I think Samuel will get paid. Debo will get paid, and he get paid a lot of money. Do we think Debo doesn't like the
4: running back part because it'll affect his value ultimately? Um Uh, Because running backs aren't considered as valuable as wide receivers because it dents his receiver stats or because he doesn't actually like that part of, of the game.
3: Oh, I think he doesn't like the physicality of playing running back. All the hits you take at running back, you're in traffic more than you are wide receiver. And he did a great job of it. Kyle Shanahan did a tremendous job of of utilizing him last season. And if you were to take him out of that offense in which Trey Lance, the second-year quarterback, is going to be the starter, quarterback you paid dearly to get, they need Sam. He and his agent know. They have got the upper hand on this situation, and I think they'll get it done before training camp because that's when those big fines start in training camp, and they can't be rescinded.
2: What's going to happen with Garoppolo? We know he's about to throw, based on the time frame of the recovery from the shoulder surgery. It's either this week or next week, based on that time frame where he can pick up a football and actually let it rip. Once that happens, do you think a trade happens relatively soon, or do you think this is a similar situation to what we see with Baker Mayfield, where we, we think there are teams who would want them on their on their want these guys on the roster, but no one's trading for them?
3: I don't think he's going to be traded anytime soon. I mean, Garoppolo's not special. You saw what Jillian Julian Edelman said about him, which was terrible. He wouldn't play hurt on that podcast, and that's the worst thing you'd say about a quarterback. And so I'm not so sure he doesn't need to play a little bit preseason, show people he can throw, he can take a hit, and then try to trade him before the trading deadline. When a team loses quarterback, it thinks it's going to take him to the Super Bowl or the playoffs because they're not going to get nearly what they think he's worth. And what's he worth? A fourth-round pick, maybe a conditional pick that's a four, could be a three or a two based on how many games he plays and what his new team is able to do when it comes to victories.
4: I think too many people are too high on New Orleans, John, and they, they think that that team's been uh, patched back together, that Allen will be able to coach him. Now Kamara uh, may be out the first six games. Uh, what do you think of the Saints?
3: Dennis Allen is, he did a great job as defensive coordinator, had a chance coach the Raiders, and I think he went four and 12 both times. Now, maybe he didn't get a fair shot. We saw Mike Shanahan get fired by Al Davis, and then win two Super Bowls with Denver, but he had John Elway. Dennis Allen's got James Winston, and Kamara, if he misses those six games everybody's predicting. That's not good. The best thing for them, it's a bad division after Tampa Bay. So they could compete for the playoffs. I thought Sean Payton did his best coaching job last season to ring nine victories out of that roster when you're starting third-string quarterbacks. I thought he just did a tremendous job. And if he was back, I could see people getting on the Saints bandwagon for a wild-card berth. Right now, maybe they'll compete for one, but unless Winston plays a season and plays better than he played last year after a great opening game before he suffered the injury, you know, they're just another eight or nine win team.
0: John, settle a bet for us. Is someone trying to start a lawnmower behind you right now? What What is happening with that noise?
3: There's a jackhammer on the street outside uh, my house where they are totally tearing up our street. Hutton said, "Construction. Be, they are that, going to if town if on that a, street right now." If that had been a lawnmower and it hadn't started, I would have gone out there and started it for him. I thought they. Uh, so
4: now I think that they're uh, they're digging out the hoop that you were shooting on to take it to a museum
3: or something. No, they're not going to touch that. That's in the back of the house. They're not touching the back of the house.
2: John, uh, the NFL schedule roughly is released first week of May, right? It is. We are here right as we get to July, and the Cincinnati Bengals just now sold out of their regular season games. I'm stunned by that. Uh, of all the years, the, the years they break through that glass ceiling and they have Joe Burrow back, they just went on a run to the Super Bowl after winning a playoff game for the first time in 30 years, and they're just now you know, confirming, yeah, we officially are sold out for the 2022 regular season. Are you as surprised by that as I am?
3: Well, it's not like they're, everybody in Cincinnati is going to see the Reds because they're awful. T- they're awful. <laughs> but I can't imagine. Maybe they jacked up the ticket prices. I didn't see that. I'm sure they did. When you think about the fact that they were so much fun to watch, and that's the thing, they are fun to watch. But maybe they're a hard sale. Maybe it was because of money. But the fact is, if you got tickets to watch the Bengals at Paul Brown Stadium, they're going to be very entertaining. I don't think they're going to the Super Bowl because the Super Bowl loser never goes back unless they're New England.
0: I'm so glad that Hutton asked this question because it reminds me of a debate I was having with a buddy over the weekend, John. Who is the smallest... What is the smallest fan base in the NFL? We all agreed Jacksonville is dead last. Who's second to last? If we all agree Jacksonville is last. Uh, Possible options. The Titans. Cincinnati. uh, Who else am I leaving off the list here? The Panthers?
3: Boy, I wouldn't put the Titans in there because it's multiple states. I would put... Carolina or Cincinnati, Carolina's really struggled. You know, they had some success early. Then they went to the Super Bowl and lost. But you don't ever hear anything about them outside of the Carolinas. And they're close to Atlanta. They're close to Washington. And right now, if you go by attendance, it would be Washington because they've just been abandoned by their fans because Snyder's let the stadium go down the toilet because he's such a terrible owner and they've been losing for so long, but of course, they're one of the most storied franchises. But I think it would be Carolina or Cincinnati. This surprised
4: me. I just went and looked up Cincinnati's population. Um I, I wonder if you guys will be surprised as I was. Uh 309,317. I know you're looking at something bigger than that in terms of their their scope and they extend into Kentucky and a wider swath of of, of neighborhoods, but that is a small city. And the census gave them 12000 a 4% increase, the first time it's grown over a decade since 1950.
2: I think uh, among the smallest fan bases are the Los Angeles Chargers. Because if you're in L.A., you're a Rams that's fan. That's a good one. And yeah. San Diego hates them now. That's, that's another it's, good one. The Chargers are on that list, even though they're in a major market. Because the char—I mean, the Chargers in 2019, before they even made the move, had the the smallest home attendance in the NFL, just over 31,000 on average. So I, I don't think the Chargers fan base is all that massive. That's
0: top. That's I, top five. For I, sure. I the think Titans, The Titans are too. They uh, well, no, we'll, and we'll come up with a poll question on this. We all agree Jacksonville last. Yes. The I think the four options. The Chargers are a good one. Four options if you're going through it: Panthers, Cincinnati, Chargers. Titans, Titans would be the four options about, if you're doing a poll question.
3: What about New Orleans? The northern part of Louisiana is Cowboy fans. Maybe in Mississippi, but then you mm. got Falcons fans. Everybody in East Texas are Cowboy fans. So there's a fan base, and they sell out. But it all comes from the New Orleans area. I see. You know, yeah, I, I see, I see Saints fans everywhere I,
0: I go. I'm gonna this. Maybe this they is are. controversial. I think there are more Saints fans than Falcons fans. I'd put the Falcons yeah. on the list before the Saints.
3: See, I don't see Saints fans anywhere I go. Here's the thing, John. I think anybody that's
4: won a Super Bowl in in the last twenty years has a a bigger fan base. I think Cincinnati would probably uh, not. They didn't win a Super Bowl, but um, I think anybody that wins a Super Bowl gets that latch on percentage of people that then buy the jersey, fall in love with them from far away, unreasonably. It break all my fan rules, but become uh, out of town fans. And I think that happened with the saints.
2: John, if you want That's the smallest point. fan base for the future, just let the mayor of Dallas add another team there. <laughs> <laughs> That'll wrap you know, up this inter- conversation real quick.
3: It's interesting. There are more people here in Houston than are in Dallas Fort Worth and the Metroplex combined. There's more people in San Antonio than Dallas, but Dallas of course gets most of the attention because they've got the Cowboys and there's no way Jerry Jones is never going to allow a second team there unless he owned both of them.
0: What is the Cowboys-Texans split in the city of Houston, in the greater Houston area?
3: Oh, I'd say about 70-30 okay. with Texans fans. That's the way it was with the Oilers. People here are always freaked out about all the Cowboy fans, and I've told them for decades. Cowboy fans in Houston are like uh, mosquitoes, roaches, humidity, and traffic. You just learn to live with them.
2: John McClain, that's good advice. Sports Radio 610 there in Houston. Final thing for you, John. Daniel Jones says that the lack of success has weighed on me a great deal. That, that's his quote. Um, what do you make of the quarterback in New York slash New Jersey who's in the final year of his deal? They didn't pick up the option, and here are the Giants rolling the dice and saying one more year with Jones to figure it out with a new head coach.
3: They've done him a terrible injustice. They've changed head coaches and coordinators, I believe, every year. That'd mean new terminology every year. Now they got new ones again. If it doesn't work out for them, he's gone. If it works out and he's really good, they'll just franchise him if they can't sign him to any new contract.
4: He's another one of those guys, drafted six, the expectation's way out of whack. If he's drafted 26, people would be like, ah, eh, you know, he's got a – uh, he yeah. runs nicely, and he's had a, a really bad organization around him and stuff. Maybe he'll do something this year.
2: It's a, I don't know. Not picking up the option. I mean, if he doesn't play well, they're done, they're done with it. But if he does, if they're one of these surprise teams, and you actually have some stability, and it was a coaching issue, it wasn't Daniel Jones' issue, and you're protecting him, well, now you're paying him among the top, what is it, five salaries if you tag him on average? And, top and, five. And, and that top five. Watson's is gonna factor in on this, suspension or not, right? Yep. Like so I mean that that's going to really affect the overall bottom line if you want to franchise tag Daniel Jones next year, under where you could have just picked up the fifth year option. And I'm guessing, I don't know, it's probably ten million or so less on a fifth-year option for him.
3: Shows they don't have much confidence yeah. in Daniel Jones. He was He was Gettleman's pick, and everybody was stunned when they drafted him sixth overall. But if you go back and look at his rookie year, his rookie year was pretty impressive.
2: Follow John on Twitter at McLean underscore on underscore NFL. John, happy fourth to you. Enjoy all the festivities there, and uh, we look forward to chatting with you next week.
3: Cheers. Jonathan, Paul, and Chadillac, thank you guys very much. I hope you guys have a great fourth.
2: John McLean with us every week. We love having him on. Uh, here on the show, we will uh, dive back into other headlines throughout the show. Uh, there is a, a, a pitcher who made his debut, finally. I don't, I don't understand the investment of Major League Baseball teams, franchises, into the MLB draft and how long they'll wait on these prospects to come to fruition. Based on these deals. Of arm problems. Um problems. So th- there is a guy from like 10 years ago that was the number one overall pick, that over the weekend was just called up for the first time in his career. And I, I, I want to discuss the money that, that is actually poured into the minor league system of Major League Baseball and how... I mean, this is on the far end of it when you finally see a guy debut, but how long do you wait before you just call it done, right, with any franchise, even if he's not starting with the franchise that drafted him? And how long as a player... You keep going on the minor league circuit when all the expectations are that you're supposed to be in the majors by now. That's next in Outkick 360. Summer of 2013 is the date. Outkick 360 rolls on. That's when Mark Apple was drafted into Major League Baseball. Number one overall to Houston. He just now, in 2022, is getting called up as a member of the Philadelphia Phillies active roster. That is crazy to me how much investment goes into to guys and the idea. I mean, the idea that you stick through the minors for that long for that one chance on know, who knows long, how long it, it lasts so far, it's been three days, <laughs> but that, that is a long stretch as the number one overall pick to not surface at some point in the month of August, September to have a chance to, to be on a roster uh, and put on the, the uniform.
4: I don't think there's anything comparable to a call-up from the minors uh, in, in baseball in, in any other sport. <clears throat> you know, it, you know, in the NFL, you're making it out of training camp. Um, I don't really know. Uh, NHL, you're making it out of training camp, or maybe you're, you're getting called up somewhere along the season. But it, ba- my, it, baseball's got a, the biggest minor league system, even though it's shrunk now. To get that call, and you always see the videos of the minor league manager team telling the guy he's got the call to the show. And for a guy like this, who's waited that long, it's got to be unbelievable to have somebody pick up your bags when you get there and the nerves related to, to finally going out there. It's also unbelievable.
0: It's one of the strangest feel-good stories I can remember in that uh, Houston certainly doesn't feel good about this. I mean, you want to talk about investment? <laughs> they invest in a guy who's a bust. And I mean, great. He stuck with it. You hurt one team, right? I mean, those things happen. But I mean, I, story. it's not the uh, it's not the typical story of you know when I watch Dennis Quaid in the rookie, like that's a story when he gets the emotional call up to the majors. They're like, man, that's unbelievable. No one believed in this guy. He did it at a later age. Everyone believed in this guy. No, it's a bust, and he didn't do it. Yeah. and he stuck with it, and he grinded through it. And now he's what? On a major league roster. Still hasn't done anything. Right. So I'm not raining on the guy's parade. It's just it's, I have conflicting feelings about a story like this. Well,
4: I root for anybody that stuck it out that long. But I am a proponent of you have to see the end at some point. But this guy didn't see the end, and now he gets his chance. So uh, I root if you stick it out that long and you do get the the break, I I hope it's more than uh, moonlight Graham. If you yeah, guess. I
2: mean I I'm fascinated just by the investment of not the Phillies, the Astros. I mean there have been a couple of other teams I believe in between, but at age thirty, like at some point you have to get in a room and say, okay, how much, how much is he taking up a roster spot on a minor league system? As many as they are. Right uh for simply scouting purposes or guys were actually going to have the opportunity to call up well
4: a team clearly thought enough of him to to give him that spot
0: yeah but it's just again i go back to and maybe it's because it's the phillies which i'm never going to root for the phillies yeah. but if he's in triple a and you're the guy in double a who has worked hard and is younger to get there and you've over-delivered, you're sitting there thinking can we give up on this dude already? <laughs> no. Like, I'd love to have his signing bonus one time in my life that he got from the Astros to do nothing for that organization. And now he's taking my spot and my shot at the big leagues. I don't know. I don't, I don't feel great about it. Like, great. You stuck with it. You got a huge – he got this I, – I, it was multiple millions. He got his number one pick and a signing bonus right off the bat. He can live off of that comfortably – while he toils in the minor league and does nothing for these teams and takes somebody else's chance.
2: It's also rare to see a guy stick with it that long, right? Like, as the number one overall pick where the expectations are extremely well, high. Well, I don't, again,
0: I don't feel as good about that because there are stories of guys who make virtually nothing and stick with it into their 30s to get yeah, a shot. But, but this guy tap. got a big chunk of money but right off the that bat. That
2: makes it even more impressive. This dude's taking bus trips for nine years, and he's got millions in the bank. Like, it, I, I, if not, I've got the money, I'm not putting up not with that. It's not more
0: impressive, though, because there are plenty of minor league baseball players who go make more money selling insurance, and they do it without a safety net. This guy has a safety net of a signing bonus he got right away so he can just go play baseball for a living and not worry about the money as much where other guys are worried about their money and what they're going to do next.
4: I think I've been pretty consistent. As much as I like to tell people what to do, I'm not telling people when to retire. So I feel all right about it.
0: Well, he's certainly not – he's no Cy Young winner No, coming up for Philly.
4: But I, I, I think
0: well, – We say all that and watch him go win. It would be like this huge yeah. sensation when he
2: takes them out.
4: Yeah, help the Phillies win the division.
2: Who are the Phillies playing? And when is he going to pitch? Because I'm going to bet the other
0: team. The Braves. <laughs> the Atlanta's in well, Philly starting tonight. That's why he's starting so salty. tonight.
4: That's why he's so salty.
0: He's nervous. No, I mean, if it was a Brave, I'd be like, okay, great. Do something now. Yeah,
2: I, I, he has not appeared in a game yet. So we're, we're maybe it's tonight, Chad.
4: Maybe tonight. Maybe it's tonight. I hope he gets rocked. I hope he gets sent right <laughs> back down. to,
0: What's the AAA affiliate for Philly? Wh- whatever Scranton it is, Wolfsburg? yeah. I hope Maybe. he's, I hope he's
2: uh, rocked right back to Scranton tonight. I'm assuming he was in Scranton. He was called up. I have no idea.
0: Uh, um, Re- Reggie Miller, you know, famously said, "I'm going to retire Michael Jordan in 1998," and didn't do it. Maybe the Braves going tonight, saying, "I'm going to retire this guy." This I don't is going to be his first and last game.
4: I remember when everybody always had the same minor league city forever like the Yankees AAA was Columbus but then, then geography started, started playing a role then it was open
2: bidding places to then be it, but, but then geography didn't changed
4: all the time yeah for a while it changed like every year like I Nashville mean, how many places was has Nashville In been Oakland in?
2: Nashville was in Oakland and then Milwaukee then, yeah. the rangers it Milwaukee it's, it's, it's Milwaukee again it was the rangers for yep. a couple of years but it's just based on the bid the bidding war Yeah, yeah it's pretty not much proximity at all i guess in some cases it is, it is. In it, some it, cases atlanta's
0: is. got the gwinnett stripers yeah which is which nice is because if you need away. a starter yeah bring them right over you could drive over. it's perfect
2: but for you know nashville sounds fans
4: i'm gonna go out there take some weekend. trips to Oklahoma. for the first time in a trips long to time. milwaukee i like it the only
2: there. the only um consistency is the preds farm system is also in milwaukee But, again, they went to Texas. It's always been there, right? Yeah, Yeah. they went to Texas for a couple years, and now they're back with Milwaukee.
4: Nobody's fighting for the Admirals.
2: Coming up, the battle for NFL's Sunday ticket and trying to explain some loud explosion that Chad heard last night or they're debating in his town. That's next on OutKick360.